as I said, uh, uh, Nathan goes to Covenant Church in Dallas, and oh man, we were up there. Uh, let me just say, Nathan did a live album at Covenant Church a couple weeks ago. Recorded a live album, and Beverly and I were we were giddy. Uh, it was just unbelievably awesome, and so very soon uh, you'll have that to where you can uh, uh, take part in what we were able to take part in. Hopefully this summer. And, and I'm trying to get him and his team to come and, and do a concert for us with the live album debut. I haven't heard back from him on that. But uh, they had get in the game. We actually got this idea from them a couple of years ago. Uh, and as I said, Tony Dorsett goes to their church. And so uh, Pastor Mike from Covenant Church interviewed him uh, about getting in the game. So uh, the interview was just so cool. Uh, I thought, you know, let's let Tony tell us best. So if the lights dim, uh, and let's just let get uh, Tony Dorsett help us out today. Amen. Pitt, when we got there, had won one game a year for the previous 10 years. jumped through this little hole, and I ended up going into the end zone for a record-setting run. And here he goes again. If he can't do it one way, he'll do it another. Tony Dorsett, yeah. thank you for this little chance for you and I to chat. First of all, a lot of people don't know it because you and Janet and your family come and go, and mm-hmm. you've been a part of Covenant, and you all have been coming here for a long time and serving God here, and your daughter Mia sang here recently. Kathy and I came here to found Covenant Church, mm-hmm. and you came here signed by the Dallas Cowboys. What year did that happen? 1977. Seven, was it? Seven, yeah. yeah. See, we've been going. Yeah, we've been, we go way year. back. We yeah. go way back. Yeah. The first thing I ever remember learning about Tony Dorsett was I saw you having a in, an instructional time with the media here in Dallas because they couldn't get your name right. <laughs> and so you were like, guys, my name is not Dorset. My name is Dorset. Yeah. And so some of the guys made a big deal out of that. This guy's come in here and he's going to teach us that we don't know how to say his name right. Yeah, he's big headed. He's yeah. this, he's that. Yeah, it, was, and, you know, it was amazing and, what and, they did and with And he that. hasn't run for one yard here yet, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he's and, trying to tell us how to say like, his name. Let the man tell you how his name is supposed yeah. to be pronounced. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he's arrogant. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? I'm a big stickler about little things make big things happen. Yeah. It's just something little like that. Yep. You know, even little things in, in relationship, little things in relationship with your, your, your wife, your girlfriend, um, your family, uh, your church. You know, it's just the little things that you do can make big things happen. Same thing out on the football field, you know, when running the pass pattern and going the right way, making the the proper plant with the foot and make the cut, you know, the blocking technique, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It goes all the way down. Well, let's start back there with uh, in the early days, the early cowboy days. Now, first of all, today's theme is is get in the game. Mm-hmm. The difference between sitting around or finding your place and serving. So I want to flash back. Now, we won't go too far back, mm-hmm. starting in high school. Mm-hmm. What, what what kind of awards or championships did you win in high school? We were uh, we were we won we won our conference. Uh, then I went on to the University of Pittsburgh. And let me tell you, you know when you're talking about the little things, I, I'm a big stickler on that. You know, but the main thing about it was, I was back then I was so introverted and shy and quiet. Mm-hmm. I was not 
going to get too far away from my family. And my mom, one of my big things was the fact that my mom and dad and my siblings were my, my, my biggest fans. But it was really a surprise to everybody when you went to University of Pittsburgh because you were highly recruited. Yes. University of Pittsburgh was not a good team then. Yeah. When we got there, had won one game a year for the previous 10 years. And when our class got there, we, we went to a bowl game our first year. We went to the, one of the first Fiesta Bowls. Uh, and then we, went, then we missed out on our sophomore year. And junior, senior year, we were in big bowl games. Matter of fact, in my, my senior year, we were in the Sugar Bowl playing for the national championship against the Georgia Bulldogs. And uh, you know what we did? <laughs> we thumped them upside yeah. the head. <laughs> so so you, you, you won at high school level. You obviously won at college level. Yeah. Yeah. Won the Heisman Trophy. What year in school were you when you won the Heisman? I was a senior. Sports teaches you a lot. Of, teach, teaches you a lot about life lessons, yeah. and, and it helps you a lot with your relationships, you know, both on and off the field. Man, you're talking about team sports and, and guys being together, guys or girls being together and fighting for that same common denominator. You know, and you get tested, and you know, and you along the way, and you're like, man, some people go down, and somebody steps up, next man up, and there's there's no jealousy. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, as we talk about this today, Tony, and I'm, I'm, there's lots of ways I'm making applications in my mind of, of how it overlays with people in the church and people serving. There's a difference. So uh, when you came to the Cowboys, for me, my fond memories of those days, and that was the early days of, of Covenant Church, mm-hmm. too. I'm telling you, when you uh-huh. hit that line and found a little crease there and got in the open, there was a second gear you hit and you were just gone. And it was it was thrilling. I call it scared, being scared. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason you yeah, ran so fast. Scared, scared. Let me tell you, man. You know, a little guy like me, you know, there's a lot of big men out there, man. And when they arrive, they arrive with authority. And I tried to make them. I didn't want to get. I didn't want them to be able to arrive with authority too many times. <laughs> if it was, it would be a glancing blow and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me about because that was so exciting. I saw it in your movie recently that I saw the preview of. But I think it was your first run from scrimmage. You were scared, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you knew you were going to get the call. Mm-hmm. And what happened? I got two of the great blocks because it was a dive 31, and I got a trap block from, from uh, uh, Herb Scott and Tom Rafferty. And I jumped, through the, I jumped through this little hole, made a cut, made a guy miss, made another guy miss. Then, then, I'm running down, then I'm running down the sideline. Between me and the end zone was Drew Pearson, my wide receiver, and one of their defenders. I forget his name. But anyway, we're down there, and I'm, and I'm watching Drew. To know Drew Pearson, Drew Pearson is kind of knock-kneed and pigeon-toed. And as we're running, his knees, look, legs started to look like they're going in the inside. They're going inside out. And it's like he was like, I'm like, oh, man, man, he's, he's, about, he, he's slowing. He's giving up, man. His legs, he, I know, he's tired. So I said, you know, I better make a move. So I'm going to say, I'm going to try to go to the outside of Drew. And as I'm going to the outside of Drew, Drew dies for the, for the defender and knocks him further up the field. And I'm right here on the sideline. And I was ready to go out of bounds. And all the guy had to do was just give me a good push. And I would have been out of bounds, out of river, out of bounds. But he came to me and he like, bam, he like stiff on me on my shoulder pads. It wasn't not a push, not enough effort in his push, not a shove, not shoving his push or pushing his shove. And I stayed in bounds. And I ended up going into the end zone. For a record-setting run, a run that you know you can never break, you can only tie ninety-nine yards, and that right there was when I think Coach Landry and the whole staff 
finally realized that he could play in the NFL. Talk to me just a minute about what the difference is in being on the field and just looking for a place. Champions are really born on the field, not on the bench, aren't they? Absolutely. You got to get in the game, baby. You got to yeah. get in the game. You got to be a part of the game. And that's what it's all about. Sitting on the sideline, I mean, some guys can be complacent with that because, you know, that's, 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 they, they feel they, they made it by just being in the NFL. Yeah. But there's other things to do. You know, you got to get in the game, get involved. If you're not involved, it's, it's hard, you know, yeah. to make things happen. Yeah. And, and, and to be part of that team and to be a part of that success and be a part of that accomplishment and be, be a part of setting those goals is a doggone good feeling. You mentioned a couple of guards a while ago by name. That opened that hole for you. Everybody's position on that field is important, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Very much so. I mean, a running back can't run if yeah. the linemen don't block. Yeah. Quarterback definitely can't drop back and throw the ball unless the linemen block it. The glory positions, so to speak, are mm -hmm. wide receivers, running backs, quarterback. The guys that really make it all work are the interior linemen. Yeah. Those guys uh, obviously get the less attention and all that, but when you're talking about teamwork and being a team, you got to have 11 guys working and yeah. all on the same page is the most important thing. Yeah, Anytime you get somebody to think they're bigger than the team, that's when you're going to have some problems. Yeah. You know, that's so easy for me to apply in my world, Tony, because I realize and I want to always remember and I want to and I want to always appreciate people because I realize that when I walk out on a Sunday mm -hmm. to a pulpit to give the sermon to this audience at Covenant Church, mm -hmm. I, I can't forget that there's a lady in the nursery taking care of somebody's baby so they can be in the service. Mm -hmm. There's somebody in the parking lot helping people get their car handled so they can be in the service. Absolutely. There's somebody saying hello at the door. There's somebody ushering. There's somebody passing a bucket. None of that stuff is unimportant to me because that makes my job not only look easy, but it makes it doable. It makes it possible. I couldn't do it without all that you happening. Know, that's, that's, just, that's the same thing. That's, yeah. that's teamwork. That's, that's, yeah. that's the same thing with, with professional football. I mean, because we got groundskeepers. We got, we got referees. We got, we got people that, 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 that do equipment managers that do all these things. Yeah. I mean, these, you know, as I said earlier, it's the little yeah. things that make big Absolutely. things happen. And these people are, and let me tell you something. I equip a man, uh, uh, Buck Buchanan, I love him. Yeah. I love him because he always had the right stuff and what I wanted, the extra padding, and whatever I wanted with my, for my knees, my, my shoes, my thigh pads, the extra big soft thigh pads, the rib pack, rib, rib pads. Those guys, uh, you know, those are the guys that you don't see. Yeah. They're undercover yeah. people. Yeah. But those are the people that make it all work. Yeah. If that without them, <laughs> yeah. I tell you, man, there's no show. There's no you show. Know, I heard uh, fairly recently. But uh, do you know when it was that they now different owners are probably different. Mm -hmm. But I remember hearing that there was a decision made to start giving the guys like the Bug Buchanan's. A Super Bowl ring if you yes, want a Super Bowl. Yes, Because there was a time those guys didn't get anything. What a wonderful decision. That's a principle in the kingdom too, Tony, because yeah. the, the scripture teaches us that everybody in the kingdom gets the same reward. Absolutely. You might be the upfront guy that everybody sees or sings the solo, mm. or you may be the guy that loads the instruments in and sets it all up, but you're going to get the same reward. See, see that's wonderful. That's That's teamwork. Yeah.
Well, as we start wrapping this up, I want to talk about for just a minute, Tony, uh, because I know that the, the, the accolades and the Heismans and the Super Bowl rings and all that don't come without pain. I know that especially and you learned your craft, but you said something earlier that I just want you to mention. I want you to talk about it a minute because somehow in a 10 or 11 year career, you're not going to avoid every big hit. Mm. You're going to try to make them glancing blows if you can, Mm -hmm. but you took some massive hits Mm -hmm. in your career. Talk about like the hardest hits you ever remember. Wow. And what did you want to do after that? (laughs) The hardest hit I don't remember because it knocked me out, man. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is all I remember is a collision. But I know... Uh, being knocked out, I've been knocked out a couple of times. Um, not a couple of times, several times. But I know one in particular was in Philadelphia. Because we, we used to have a real intense rivalry with the Eagles. Yeah. We were just going at each other. And, you know, and he was talking this, and I told him, I said, I tell you what, you get out there, I said, I'm going to make you miss. I said, you ain't, I said, you get out there, we get out there one-on-one, you're going to be grabbing nothing but air, my friend. <laughs> but it just so happened one time, we got all congested, and I, I couldn't move. I was going to be the mercy of the hit at this hit. They, they tell me I was out for two or f- three, four or five minutes. You know, they, they, they went to a, a, a timeout and came back, and I was still on the field. I, I, you know, I, I didn't realize it then, then, uh, at that time. But I always felt that, you know, at every level that I was at, you know, I was one of the, the vital cogs, and I was one of the main offensive weapons, and I was like, I'm not letting my teammates down. But the protocol at that time in the National Football League was a little bit different than what it is today. Yeah. And um, if I was playing today, they would not let me probably even play for weeks. But back then they didn't have all the knowledge and the information like they have today. Right. And so because of that, I suffer from CTE. Yeah. And I tell you. Well, but, you know, I think in those days, Tony, that uh, it, you guys were looked at like the gladiators. Oh, we were. In Rome were looked at. Yeah. You're the gladiators. You're the guys that provide the entertainment. That's and, the way we thought about and it. And don't take gladiators. it personally, but we don't know what all you're going to suffer, but you're, yeah, you're entertaining. Right. And yeah. we'll, people will pay to see it. Absolutely, man. And I'm thankful that that's changed. But yeah. you're going to have a good future, and you've got hundreds of people and now thousands that are going to be praying for you. And prayer makes a difference, Tony. Yeah, prayer does make a difference. And, I believe in prayer. Yeah. And I know prayer can help. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. You said some great things to us today that are going to help a lot of people. Tony, life isn't lived in the trenches or sitting on the bench. Life is lived on the field and mm-hmm. people got to get in the game and they can make a difference. And I think you've really helped us a lot because every position is important. And not only do I want to say thanks to you for sharing this with us, but thanks to just all those folks mm-hmm. like in your world, the guys that you want to thank all the way to the equipment managers. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that way. I want to thank people who usher and who serve in a nursery and who sing in a choir and who do all the things that they do. They make it, they make That's it what it takes. They make for those wonderful, beautiful, those, those Sunday mornings and afternoons that we come in here uh, yeah, uh, to, right. to see and, and hear the word. And that's I'll tell right. you one thing, and I'm telling you to hear you and, 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 and 
touch people's lives. And, and the thing about it is church members can also touch people's lives by going out and getting people, other people to bring them to the church. That's you right. know, to say, you might want to consider this church. You might want to be a member here. That's right. You know, I mean, it, you know, we ain't trying to force feed you anything, but why don't you just come on to the church and That's see right. how we do it over here That's at right. Covenant. You're hired. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man, All for right. being with us today. It's good to be here, Pastor. Amen. Woo. Man, that's awesome, right? You now you can see why I said, hey, we just gotta let we gotta let Tony help us out today. And I appreciate that. I appreciate Pastor Mike allowing us to the opportunity to take advantage of that. Good to have you. Turn in your Bible uh, to uh, let's see, first Peter four, and then let's go to Colossians one. I promise I won't preach for fifty minutes. In fact, I'm gonna try to be done before twelve to give you plenty of time. Uh, to, uh, to to go around the tables and get involved and actually get in the game. Uh, and let me just say, y'all pray for me this uh, uh, next week, myself as well as Conan uh, Welch that uh, is a, a friend of this church and our lifelong friends, part of Agua Resources. For you that are visiting with us, we drill water wells in Mexico. Uh, over the past number of years, our little church, is, along with a partnership of many other people around this nation, uh, we've drilled probably close to 275 water wells in Mexico. Uh, and uh, Shannon's been, hey, if you've ever been on a water well trip, uh, lift your hand. A amen. Got a few here. Uh, if you haven't, guys, you need to come and go with us. We're trying to put something together uh, for, uh, for the summer. Uh, but I'll be going, we're going to a place called Costa Chica, which is one of the poorest areas uh, in all of Mexico, south of Acapulco. Uh, and, uh, and so you pray for us. I'll be gone Monday through Saturday, uh, and uh, we appreciate your prayers. And we also need your financial help. Uh, many times, uh, the way we do these trips, we get churches to uh, sponsor trips, and they take their own teams, and we just put a team leader with them. This trip is uh, on your own kind of thing as far as us. We're funding it ourselves. And and so uh, I need a little help from you beyond your tithe. I need some offering uh, to help pay for this trip. Pastor Ron jumped on board with $1,500. And we had a, uh, oh, I don't know, we had a little bit left from our last trip. Uh, and I need about $1,500 to cover the cost, to finish off the cost of this trip. Beverly and I have our extra offering here that we're going to give uh, towards Agua. And I want to encourage everyone here. Uh, to help us keep bringing fresh water, uh, not just uh, uh, drinking water, but living water to the needy people of Mexico. And so I want to encourage you to pray for us. I want to encourage you today at the close of this service, beyond your tithe, uh, to help us out financially. Everything you give goes right to this trip. Uh, in fact, uh, we've got some, uh, you know, we've got the flight bills that are coming in, the credit card that we need your investment to help finish off the cost of this trip. Everybody say, we've got to get in the game. Oh, that made me want to throw one more football. Got to get in the game. Oh, I close my eyes. There we go. I don't know where it went. There you go. Okay. Amen. I've got three more. Okay. Uh, gosh. I'll try to keep this brief, but last Sunday we had a great conclusion to shift. Uh, and the theme of that was preparing your ways for greater days. Uh, and I believe God has greater days for us. And uh, last Sunday we talked about the reality that we've got to quit just coming to church and, we, and we've got to become the church. 
A lot of people just come to church. We've got to become the church. It's an identity thing that we need to embrace. In fact, we're trying to change our terminology. Instead of saying, welcome to church, uh, we say, welcome to the, uh, to, to the gathering of the saints. Uh, we don't want you to think about the church as this building. We are the church. Look at your neighbor and say, we are the church. We really are. And so this morning, I want to just share with you on Getting the Game Sunday some things about you becoming the church. Uh, and I want to say welcome to Get in the Game. If you're a first-time guest with us, man, we're glad you're here. First Peter chapter 4, I want to show you, show you this verse because uh, it's the reality that God has for all of us. Verse uh, 10 says, as each one, everyone say that means me, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You see, God has created all of us with skills and abilities and talents and insights and ways and means. And wherever you are and whoever you are, God has created you. Some of you may have not unlocked the gifts and the calling of God in your life. Uh, but uh, the reality is you will not arrive at your greater days unless you come to the place where you realize, <coughs> pardon me, that God has a plan for your life, and it's not just to sit soaking sour, but it's to minister what God has given you to others as good stewards of the manifold, multifaceted grace of God. And so you keep that in mind. I want to share just a few things today. Colossians chapter 1, are you there? If you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor. I'm going to read the first 11 verses to you because Colossians is a book where in reality Paul is saying uh, uh, to the church there in Colossi uh, that, hey, you're, you're a prime candidate. You're, 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 you've got some good things going on. Uh, I want you to get in the game. In fact, when you look at Colossians, the first two chapters have to deal with doctrinal issues, and the last two deal with practical issues, three and four. And we're going to look primarily at three and four, but I want to show you uh, this introduction to this letter. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints. Everybody say, that's me. To the saints and faith, faithful brethren uh, in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and Father our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. That's a powerful verse. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the, in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it is also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. In other words, they're growing spiritually. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Everyone say, love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, now here Paul's beginning, because he heard, what did he hear about them? He heard that they were saints and faithful brethren. He heard that they had faith and that they also had a love for all the saints and that they had a love in the Spirit. They were walking in the Spirit. Uh, he says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful. Everyone say, being fruitful in every good work. Everyone say, in every good work. 
and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with his might, according to his glorious power, with all patience and long suffering with joy. You see what I see in those 11 verses, what I see Paul saying, he says, man, when I heard about you, you've got faith. You're, you're, the, you're saints, you're called out, you're believers, you're faithful brethren. And you not only have faith in God, but you have a love for one another that just goes uh, without saying. And, and you have a love in the spirit. Your, your spiritual life exudes the, 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 uh, the, the fruit of the spirit. You're growing spiritually. You heard it and you're just growing. And so then you get to verse 9 and 10. And basically what he's saying, he said, I'm going to pray for you. And here's what I'm going to pray. And in the context of this service today, I'm going to pray that you will get in the game. That you will embrace this, this calling of God on your life. That you will see, uh, not only are, are you here because Jesus loves you, but you're here because, uh, uh, God wants you to love others, uh, uh, He wants to love others through you. And so, He says, I'm praying that you would be fully pleasing to Him, being fruitful in every good work. And then he prays that they would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. You see, God wants to give you power to live. But let me tell you something. His greatest manifestation of, your, of the power of God in your life is when you become fruitful in every good work. Amen? And so he's basically saying, that we got to get in the game. Everybody say, get in the game. Last week when we were getting ready for getting the game... I really didn't know what I was going to say. I knew it wouldn't be a very long message. Uh, somebody say, praise the Lord. At least at this point, I didn't think it was going to be very, very long. Uh, I was driving down the road. This is how inspiration hits me. I said, got to get in the game. And I was actually, I was headed to buy these footballs right here. Uh, and uh, I said, man, you, we got to get in the game. And then I said, well, the first thing you got to do is got to get your head in the game. Uh, ooh, yeah. If I, if I could write it down, I'd write it down. And then I thought, you got to get your hands in the game. You got to be hands on. And then you got to get your heart in the game. I just, oh man, I got that three points together. In fact, then I just got all inspired and I said, if you don't get your, if you, if you, if, if you don't get your hands on in the game, you can get in the, if you don't get your hands on, you can get in the end zone. Man, I got all excited. I'm driving down the road. And so I got to Dollar Tree. That's where these came from. Uh, and, uh, I had a bunch of, you know, and the little lady said, yo, you're going to be playing some football, eh? I said, no, ma'am. I said, our pastor, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't dressed like a pastor. I said, our pastor, it's getting the game Sunday at our church and our pastor's going to throw these out all through church because we're getting in the game. He said, well, you got, she said, if you're going to get in the game, you got to get your head in the game. It was about two minutes before I, I said, yes, ma'am. And if you get your head in the game, you also got to get your hands in the game. And she said, well, and I said, if you're going to get your, he uh, your head in the game, you got to get your hands in the game. You got to get your heart in the game. She went, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That lady's on the other side looking, what is going on? They're having church over there. Oh, amen. So very simply, there it is. Hey, and what we see in Colossians is Paul said, you got to get in the game. And I see these three things here in this book. He told them, you got to get your heads in the game. Look in Colossians 3, verse 2. He said this, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, he's not talking about being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. He's talking about the motivation of our life and what consumes our life. 
Most people, you see, people that just go to church every once in a while, could I tell you, and they, they haven't yet embraced the reality that they are the church, that they're just coming to church and not becoming the church. Uh, most of them, their, their, their minds are not set on the things of God. They're set uh, on, on this life, you know, getting all you can and can the rest and, you know, work and fun and play and family. All those things are good, but the priority has to be right. And the first thing we see Paul saying now when he moves into chapter three and four, when he starts getting practical about who we are, he said, let me tell you where it begins. It begins to get your thinking life right. Set your mind on things above. If you weren't here last Wednesday, shame on you. You should have been here. In fact, we prayed for you because it just, we finished off the shift series. We had some final thoughts. And and one of the big things is if you're going to prepare your ways for greater days, you've got to get your thinking life right. The children of Israel wandered 40 years in the wilderness because they didn't have their thinking life right. They came up to the door of the promised land and they went in and saw the giants and they said this, yeah, there is a a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's giants in there and we are all grasshoppers in our sight, not their sight, in our sight. We look at ourselves and we are like grasshoppers. They had a wrong, they had stinking thinking. And if we're going to get in the game, we can't have that kind of stinking thing. And he said, you got to set your minds on things above. Look in verse 10. Look what he says there in that same chapter. He says this, and have put on. Here's what you got to do. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. According to the image of him who created him. It's not head knowledge. It's not head knowledge. How many of you know this? 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 Look here. I, I, I just had to do this during... You know who that belongs to. And not me. That's supposed to protect your head knowledge. Paul's not talking about head knowledge. This Greek word here is not... Head knowledge is just gnosis. It's facts and figures. This knowledge is epignosis. It's full discernment and understanding and insight. Paul's saying you need to get some full understanding about who you are. And you need some, you need to put on the new man. You don't need to be walking around that old way of life. You got to get a new way of thinking, a new way of walking, a new way of living. And you got to get a new way of thinking. If you're going to get in the game, you can't think like toe jam. I'm just toe jam. I'm no good. I'm just a grasshopper. I'm a nobody. I'm a this, I'm a that. You got to come to the place where God has put upon your heart the reality reality that he has a place for you in the family of God. And if you're not there, something's missing. Amen. Everybody, let, give somebody a high five. Say, we got to get in the game. We got to get in the game. We got to get our heads in the game. Tell somebody else, you got to get your head in the game. If you, has anybody ever actually told you that in any circumstance in your life? You ever heard somebody, you better get your head in the game. What are they saying? They're saying, you are not thinking right. You are distracted. You've got to get your head in the game. I love what Romans, Paul said to the Romans, Romans 12, uh, uh, 1 and 2. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Verse 2. How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. He said, you've got to be renewed in your mind. And if you get your thinking right, it'll transform every other area of your life. Amen. Everybody say, get your head in the game. Number two, as I said, 
Paul presses the Colossian church. He says, he says, you got to get your head in the game. But then he, he tells them, you got to get your hands in the game. You got to really get involved. You can't just talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. You got to become involved. Look in Colossians 3, 16 and 17. He says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, what he's saying is, hey, you got to begin to be engaged in this. You got to begin to get involved. And look in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, everyone say word or deed. Man, he's talking about not only what you say, but what you do. You've got to get your hands in the game. You gotta get personally involved. You can't sit on the sidelines of life. I think I told you years ago or last year about Fran Tarkenton. He was a, he was a bench sitter and at one point in, uh, his, I think college career, he just ran in and checked himself into the game before the coach even knew it. Uh, and before the coach knew it, uh, uh, Fran had marched him down the field, you know, 50 or 60 yards with a couple of self-called plays. Uh, and they thought, well, we need to get him out of, out of the game. And the coach said, I'll talk to him later, but we're keeping him in the game. Because Fran knew if I don't get in the game, if I don't get my hands on the ball, I'll never be able to accomplish what I know is on the inside of my life. And he said, whatever you, Paul said, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. And I want to tell you something, that word deed, I believe means the Greek word is ergon or work, uh, is work. Listen, there's work that needs to be done in God's kingdom. Uh, and we've got to be busy about the work work of the Lord. God has work for us to do here in this life. And it's not just to sit soak and sour. In fact, we talked about the Pareto principle. I think it was last Sunday, the 80-20 principle. It works in all ways of life. Here's the way it works in church. 20% of the people usually do 80% of the work. That's not right. Look at your neighbor and shake. That ain't right. Tell that, that ain't right. That's just not right. Here's another one. Uh, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. Now I know that ain't right. I know that ain't right. That's just not right. The church uh, is is the body of Christ, and we all plug together. We get our heads in the game. We get our our, our hands in the game. I love what Ecclesiastes nine ten says about our hands. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You know, a lot of people spend all their time trying to figure out what they want to do or what God's called them to do, and they never do anything. And I've, I've had people tell me this. Well, I don't know if I feel led to work with those children. Well, if you need to feel led, put a fishing weight in your pocket. And every once in a while, you just reach down there and touch that. And then get in the game, for goodness sake. Some of you are a little slow. And I just don't feel led. The old man preaching me, the spirit of slap wants to come out of me right there. I have to tell you that. I'll make you feel that. I'll give you a little motivational speech. <laughs> you got to shift. Amen. So I want to encourage you to realize, hey, whatever your hands find to do. You know, Bill Wilson, Bill Wilson, one of the greatest children's ministry uh, ministers in all of America, up in New York, ministers to thousands, thousands of kids. And he was a throwaway kid. Somebody threw him away and a preacher found him on the corner. No kidding. And said, who are you? He said, well, I, you know, my name's Bill. 
he took him and took him to youth camp or kids camp and Bill got saved and Bill's life was transformed. And today, Bill Wilson, for years and years, has been one of the best children's ministry workers. And if you ask him today, how did God call in you into children's ministry? He'll tell you this. He didn't. No, no, Bill, tell me, you're, you're doing such a great work all over the world, really, but with children. How, how did God call you into children's ministry? He didn't. He just said, I saw a need. Just thought I'd fill it. God didn't call me to children's ministry. I just want to help people. You know, if you begin with that, just say, hey, hey, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. Amen. Giving thanks to God. So we got to get our heads in the game. We got to get our hands in the game. We got to get our hearts in the game. You ever know anybody who's just going through the motion, but their heart's not in it? Paul the Apostle tells this church in Colossians 3, look in verse 12. And I want you to, as I read, I want you to look at all these, these characteristics and attitudes of heart. Therefore, as the elect of God. Everyone say, I'm the elect of God. You see, you've been chosen by God to get in the game. You remember, you remember as a kid... You know, we used to, we would pick up and, I don't know what they do on the playground now, but we would pick up in teams and play things like Red Rover, Red Rover, let Sammy come over. Did anybody do that? I mean, we would pick teams. If we played a sport, you know, you'd have team captains. How many of you just hated to be the last one picked? Oh, man. How many of you, you're still emotionally scarred because you were the last person picked? We have healing line for you later. You're mean to your wife because you were the last one picked. Or vice versa. <laughs> oh, heal them, Jesus, of their playground scars. But, you know, you picked up teams, uh, and, and then you just, you know, and then finally just, man, my, my heart's not in this. I don't want to be last. Paul, look at what Paul says, the elect of God. And he chose us all first. You're not last choice. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not last choice. Oh, I feel better already. I'm getting healed up right now. You're the elect of God. He chose us all first. He didn't one, two, three, four. You're all number one in his, in his mind and in his heart. And just like Tony said, there's no unimportant roles here. Read 1 Corinthians 12. It says the lesser things are really the more important things. You read 1 Corinthians 12, all the things we think are important. Hey, they are important, but the more important things are the things that we think are not important. God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. We've been elected by God to get in the game and catch these hard attitudes. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But also all these things, uh, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule your hearts to which you're called in one body and be thankful. You will know my interpretation right there. Church is a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the chair and the pew. It's a matter of the heart. And if people aren't in the pew or the chair, it's probably because their heart's not in the pew or the chair. Their heart's not in it. 
And he goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as I read earlier, uh, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What's he saying? We've got to get our heart in the game. Amen. And let me just say, let, let me just break it down. You know where it begins? Verse 18, 19, and 20, and 21. It begins at home. Wives, submit to your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And, then it, and, and we could use this in the workplace. Uh, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart. Fearing God. Look at verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Paul comes to this church and man, they've got faith. They're loving one another. They're growing spiritually. We think, oh, we have arrived. We got faith. We love one another. We're coming to Bible study. Things are good. Man, I feel good. I'm going to church. Hallelujah. Paul said, no, you got to become the church. you got to get involved. you got to get in the game. you got to get your heads in the game and begin to think the way God would want you to think. you got to get your hands in the game. You don't want to just go wait until somebody comes and puts your hand on the floor. you got to get your hands in the game. You know, a receiver is a terrible receiver if he doesn't ever pick up his hands and get them in the game. we got to get our hearts in the game. And then as Paul closes out his getting the game message in chapter 4, he starts complimenting his team members. He starts giving them pats on the back and high fives. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Whoo! High five. He starts naming them Onesimus. High five. Epaphras or Epaphras, high five. Luke, high five. And on and on. I'm telling you, when you get in the game and you realize, as, as, as Tony said, that the, the power of the team and working together as team and how awesome and how, you know, uh, uh, many hands make a light load. And it's not the 80-20, it's the 100-100. We're all in the game. We're all engaged. We're all involved. We're all investors in this thing. We've all sold out. We got our heads in the game. We got our hands in the game. We got our hearts in the game. And then he says, let me tell you to do something. He, he starts telling them, greet the brethren. He calls some names. Greet them. Uh, now, greet them is far beyond how, how are you doing. The word greet means to embrace wholeheartedly, to bring it in. And I'm telling you, what he's saying is here. Let me tell you where when you get in the game, you got to get in the game to the point where you, you are embracing the family of God and embracing the people of God that God has put you with. And, and you begin to embrace them and you begin to appreciate them and you begin to engage with them on a relational level. And then he says this in chapter 4, verse 17. He said, and say to Archippus. Now, I don't know who Archippus was. 
Take heed. This is how he finishes off. Evidently, Archippus was having some issues about getting in the game. I don't know. Tell Archippus to take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. He's high-fiving and he's embracing. He said, love everybody, hug everybody. But hey, tell Archippus to get in the game. And I came to tell you, I don't know, let's put your name in there. Tell to get in the game. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And then he says this and he closes out. Let me tell you my place in the game. Verse 18. This salutation or this letter by my own what? Remember my chains. Paul's in prison. It's not his most blessed experience. Paul says, just because I'm in prison didn't knock me out of the game. Even when he was in prison, his head was still in the game. His thought processes were hitting on all eight. His hands were in the game. He's writing the letter. And undoubtedly, his heart's in the game. Even when he's in prison, I don't know what's going on in your world. I've heard people tell stories. Well, pastor, you know, when I get through this, you know, this, that, and other. And all these excuses... Well, I'm about to be 60. Let me just get to the point. Excuses don't wash with God. Oh, pastor, when I get through this financial slump, I'll start throwing in my fair share. I'll never forget years ago, and I'm about to close. I've got a couple minutes. I told you I went longer, but our former church, we had struggles with missions and finances. And I said, Lord, when, when you help us financially, then I'll start giving to missions. And with no hesitation, I heard in my heart, when you start giving to missions, I'll help you. In other words, no, you can't. Listen. Paul's in prison, not an excuse. It's time we get our heads in the game, get our hands in the game, and get our hearts in the game. Let's stand together.